But I'm really glad that you're with us, and I hope that you'll take your Bible with me this morning, and let's go to the book of Matthew chapter number one. Matthew chapter number one, we began a new series just last week, and that series uh, that we're in is looking at the significance of Christ coming down to this earth. Last week, what we talked about as we began is we talked about the idea of uh, why Jesus uh, came, or sorry, of how Jesus came and the details. And by the way, there were a lot of unique details as to how Jesus came to this earth. And so we covered that last week. If you missed it, uh, you can check it out on all of the social media outlets and all of that. You can watch it again. But this week, what we're going to do is we're going to go back to Matthew chapter number one, and we're going to look at another significant detail that is given to us in that passage. And that is explaining to us and really giving us a foundation of who Jesus is. See, it's important for us to know how Jesus came and to understand all those details. Those are good, but we need to know who Jesus is. Now, many of you know that I'm the parent of four young boys, and uh, Christmas time for them, as you know, is very exciting, and they're looking forward to it uh, this week and the time that we're going to spend together as a family. But one of the things about having so many boys is that oftentimes the toys that we buy them for Christmas, if they're good, the toys that we buy them for Christmas often don't just involve purchasing the toy, but it involves purchasing batteries as well. Maybe some of you are in that same situation. And uh, so you buy the toy, you know, and then you've got to buy the batteries to power those toys. And the reason that we do that is uh, because what good is a toy without the batteries? I remember as a kid, uh, I had some pretty awesome walkie-talkies. And uh, if you want to just Google some 80s walkie-talkie commercials, man, those things were awesome. And I loved having them as a kid. Uh, But they ran on a 9-volt battery. And I don't know what it was, but in my family growing up, a 9-volt battery was like apparently the most difficult thing in the world to find. And so we were always running them out, you know, and we're trying to do what we can. We'd shake them. I don't know if that actually works, but we do whatever we could to try to get some juice out of them. Um, But batteries are important because it powers the toy that they're playing with. And a toy is just absolutely no good without the batteries. And I think you understand that. Well, in the same way, when it comes to the Christmas story, what there's really a lot that is missed out on in the Christmas story unless you know the power behind it. I mean, it's great to remember uh, Christ's birth, and for many people, that's what they're going to do this week. They're going to maybe have a moment to remember the birth of Christ. Maybe they'll be watching, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas, and there's that one section. Uh, we watched it last night as a family. There's that one section where they quote Luke chapter 2, which, by the way, Miles said that's his favorite part of the whole movie, uh, where they quote Luke chapter 2, and there's just that little moment of remembering Christ coming to this earth. And some people will do that. Other people will, of course, sing Christmas songs that mention uh, Jesus in those songs, and, and maybe people around Christmas dinner will even uh, say some sort of prayer that gives thankfulness to God. But if we really want to understand who He is, if we really want to understand uh, the benefits and the joy of the birth of Christ, then you have to understand the power, uh, who it is that came in what is called the incarnation, which you'll hear me reference that word several times today. The incarnation is God in the flesh. And so we've got to recognize the power of Jesus coming to this earth if we're really going to understand the Christmas story for what it is. You know, if you came to our house, uh, you would, well, you're not allowed to come to our house, but if you were allowed to come to our house and you went upstairs into our kitchen, uh, there's a drawer. And if you open that drawer, do you know what you'd find in there? You'd find a drawer full of batteries. We, my wife and I have kind of gotten ahead of the curve and we filled that drawer with batteries and we've had people give us batteries uh, for different toys. And it's got all shapes and sizes, every type of battery that you would want, and they're all in there. And the reason is, is because we need them to power our boys' uh, electronic toys that they had. Well, today, here's what I want to do. Today, I want to take our time together, and I want to remind each of us about the power of Christ coming to this earth. And the way that we do that, the way that we understand completely the power of Christ is by simply understanding who Jesus is. 
You know, in several of the Gospels, it's recorded for us that Jesus asked his disciples and even others, he asked them the question, he said, who do people say that I am? Maybe you'll remember that story. Jesus mentioned that to his disciples. And how did they respond? Well, they said, well, some people believe you're Elijah and other people believe that you're uh, maybe some other prophet. Or, uh, some have said that they believe that maybe even he's John the Baptist. But then Jesus said to them, he said, well, who do you say that I am? And at that point in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 16, Peter said this, Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, that means son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. He said, how did he know this? But my father, which is in heaven. You know, Peter got a lot of things wrong in his life, (laughs) but this one he got right. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the anointed one. And he is the Son of God. And that is why we worship him. That is why we follow him. And that is why we proclaim him to our city and proclaim him to the nations. Listen, church, this is what is at stake as we look at this account of the birth of Christ, that heaviness, that understanding that we are talking about God himself. And that's why we must take time to reflect on, to think about, and to understand the life-changing doctrine of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. I want to read this morning as we begin in Matthew chapter number one. I'm going to read our passage. It's been our theme passage uh, for this series. I'll begin reading in verse number 18. And I hope that you'll follow along with me. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privileged, privately. Verse 20. And while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. If we are going to understand the power behind the birth of Christ, we must know who Jesus is. To me, it's kind of like when you begin to read maybe a, uh, uh, or you watch maybe a documentary or you read a biography about a famous person or a place. One of my favorite uh, biographies is, is called Shoe Dog, and it's on the founding of Nike. It's just a really interesting story, and you learn so much about the background of it. Right now, Jeanette's reading a book about a missionary, and, and uh, she keeps telling me little tidbits about this person's life and, and how they got to where they were. And whenever you read a biography, what do you do? You begin to understand their background, and then it adds a little bit more impact to how they they uh, impacted their world and how they made a difference in their world. And you get that by learning about their background and their, their upbringing. It helps you to understand their decisions and give you a more complete understanding of the impact of their life. And it's the same way with Jesus. When we understand who he is, it gives us a more complete picture. And it also reveals to us why his arrival to this earth is so important to our faith. So let's get into who Jesus is. Is. Now, the first point in our message today is that Jesus is completely human. I want to emphasize his humanity here for just a moment. If you remember back in verse number 23, it told us that a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. 
See, Scripture is very, very clear to us that Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth and was born by a woman. And just like any baby, he was born crying, uh, uh, he was born uh, uh, cooing, he was a bedwetting baby boy. That's what he was. If you've been a part of the birth of of, uh, maybe one of your family members, you know what that's like. It's an intense thing, and that's how Jesus came to this earth. I don't have a misconception that Jesus came to this earth, you know, with a glowing halo or a smile on his face. Or no, He was born a human. He was human, God in the flesh, uh, just like we are flesh today. And it's, sometimes what happens is people separate Jesus from his humanity. And we must be careful not to do that. Because here's why. Because Jesus was born as a human, just like we were born and brought into this earth, it, uh, it reveals to us and it helps us to understand that Jesus possessed a complete and a full range of human characteristics. I want to highlight some of those for us this morning. I want you to know that Jesus was just like us physically. Jesus was just like us physically. He possessed a human body. Later on in Matthew, he points out that that body that Jesus had was a body that grew tired at moments in his ministry. Uh, Even Jesus, the creator of the universe, took upon himself the human limitations of sleep and a need to rest. He knew what it was like to experience hunger. He knew what it was like to be limited by the transportation that was available to him at that time. And Jesus uh, was just like us physically, but Jesus was just like us mentally. Luke chapter 2 tells us that Jesus, as he was developing, uh, that his human mind increased in wisdom. That means that he learned and he developed in that way. He learned just like our children do, just like you did growing up. You know, Jesus did not come out of the womb uh, using words like propitiation and righteousness uh, and uh, substitution. He didn't come out just, you know, saying these amazing things. He learned and he developed as well, just like us. But Jesus was also like us emotionally. Not only was he like us mentally, but Jesus was like us emotionally. If you were to take just even a few minutes uh, and go through the Gospel of Matthew, you would see a full range of emotions that Jesus revealed to us throughout his life. You would see Jesus being troubled. You would see him being overwhelmed. You would see him weeping with loud cries and with tears. It's also reasonable to conclude from that, that not only did Jesus have those emotions of sorrow, but he also laughed and enjoyed life. You see, Jesus was human in every single way, just like we are, and his humanity is so clear to anyone who came in contact with him. You say, how do you know that? Well, I'll give you a quick example. You know, when Jesus was in the synagogue and uh, he was in his hometown, the people were amazed by what was happening. They said to him, they said, where did this wisdom and where did all of these good works come from? And then Jesus answered them in verse number 55 of Matthew 13. uh, The people said, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? I said, where where did this guy get all these things? How is he doing all of these things? What are they revealing? They're revealing to us that the people closest to Jesus saw him as a man. They saw him entirely as a human man. You say, well, why are we emphasizing this, pastor? Why are we bringing this kind of thing up? Well, because as Christians, we affirm and we emphasize the truth of the humanity of Jesus Christ because of the implications of what that means. You say, well, what are the implications of Jesus of being fully human? Well, it's this. It's that Jesus can completely and in all ways identify with you and with me. That's why we emphasize, and that's why Scripture talks about the humanity of Christ, is so that we find that point of identification. You know, there's been times in your life, I'm sure, where you've gone through a difficult situation, and it's been such a help to you to maybe know that someone else has gone through that same difficulty. 
Maybe someone you know has gone through it. And what do you do? You go to them and, and you talk with them. Why? Because they can empathize with you. They know what you're going through. They can be a help to you in that way. It's the same way in our relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is not unlike us. He is, in fact, representative of us. And as Jesus, uh, being our Savior, he identifies with our struggles. He identifies with those of you that are feeling very alone right now. Those of you that are feeling depressed Uh, Those of you that are feeling stressed out and maybe financially things are tied and maybe you're going through a health issue right now and you're struggling and your marriage is struggling and your other relationships are struggling and you're like, uh, what is going on? Listen, Jesus can identify with those things. Whether those difficulties are physical or mental or emotional, he is familiar with your sorrow. He has experienced your suffering. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18, it tells us, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor. That means bring aid. That's an interesting word. It means that God brings aid to them that are tempted, those that are going through the same difficulties. In verse uh, 15 of Hebrews 4, he sa- it tells us, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now, that's a big difference right there. We'll emphasize that in a moment. But the point is here is that Jesus sympathizes with our humanity. And because he sympathizes and he knows who we are as humans, it means that he can bring true help to us. He can bring aid to us through his spirit because he knows exactly what it is like. And sometimes we disconnect so much the humanity of God, but it reveals so much to us because what it tells us is that when Jesus said, when he left this earth and he said, it's better for me to go because the comforter is going to come, right? He said, the spirit is going to come. When Jesus said that the spirit is going to come, what he's telling us is that the spirit will come. And he's, if you're saved today, the spirit is with you. And he also knows exactly what you're going through. And the spirit is all that you need to bring that comfort, that aid into your life to help you. See, the humanity of Christ comforts us. And that's why we emphasize and that's why we affirm the humanity of Jesus Christ. It's an important aspect of us knowing who God is. But in the same breath of us affirming his humanity, we also have to emphasize and acknowledge that as the son of God, Jesus is also completely divine. So Jesus was completely human, but Jesus is also completely divine. And this is so key because his divinity, the fact that he was God himself, is what makes it possible for him to actually be there for us when we need his help and we need his strength. In uh, verse number 23, there in our passage again, it says, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And you know that verse, Emmanuel, which means God with us. That literally means God was with us. Jesus came and he is with us. Of course, he is with us now through his spirit. But speaking specifically about Jesus coming to this earth, it was God coming down in the flesh to this world. And just as much as Jesus possessed that full range of human characteristics, Jesus also possessed a full range of the divine. Just in the book of Matthew alone, I want to highlight a few of them for us. First of all, we see in Matthew that Jesus had power over disease. Jesus had power over disease. Man, it would be great to have him here right now, don't you think? (laughs) Jesus had power over disease. Throughout the gospel, he was able to heal lepers, give sight to the blind, uh, cause those that were lame from birth to walk again, all by speaking it into reality. Not because he was some sort of great positive thinker and he could convince people to believe that they weren't sick anymore. No, it's because he actually carried within him the power over disease. There were even some points in his ministry where he literally healed every disease and every affliction among the people that were around him. Matthew chapter four, it says, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogue and preaching the gospel of the kingdom 
and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. All manner means all manner, every kind of disease and every kind of uh, uh, sickness and disease. He healed all of them. He has power over them. So many times he exercised his power over our weaknesses and over the diseases that we go through. But Jesus also revealed that he was divine by his power over nature, his power over nature. In Matthew chapter 8, it tells us that Jesus rebuked a storm and it immediately calmed down. You remember that story? He, called, he rebuked it and the, they went down right away. And what did the apostles ask? They said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves and the sea obey him? And they were right in that question because there is no man that could do it. Only God, the creator of all things, could possess that kind of influence over nature. Thirdly, we see that Jesus also had power over sin. Jesus had power over sin. He was able to forgive sin, something that is explicitly confirmed in the healing of the lame man. You remember the friends, the four that brought this lame man to Jesus and they lowered him down through the roof in Matthew chapter nine and Mark chapter two as well. And it was at that point that Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven of you. Remember that? And that statement alone, if you go and you read the passage, him saying that his sins were forgiven of him as well, besides healing him, absolutely stunned those religious leaders that were there. And the reason that it stunned them so much is because for someone to claim that they could forgive sins was for them to say that they were God, that they were in fact God themselves. That's why they were stunned. That's why they were so angry. That's why they were so frustrated. And it is why they said in the passage, they said, who can forgive sins but God only? To which I respond, exactly, <laughs> that he was right there in front of them, the one who could forgive sins, and he was God. But Jesus also review, uh, revealed his divinity in the fact that he had power over death. Jesus has power over death. Not only did Jesus bring other people to life, and those are some amazing stories in scripture, but Jesus brought himself back from the dead something that no one ever has and no one ever will be able to do. And he could do all of those things. He had power over these things because he was not only 100% human, but he was 100% God in human flesh. And when you begin to put all of these things together, what we do is we begin to realize that the incarnation, the doctrine of Christ's full humanity and his full deity, which the technical term for that is the hypostatic union. You might want to write that one down. The hypostatic union, that is the idea of God being 100%, not the idea, the truth of God being 100% man and 100% human, uh, uh, God as well, is one of the most and maybe the most extraordinary miracle. And at the same time, it's an incredible mystery uh, in, this, in this life. But here's the thing, since it is true, since we know that God existed in both of those, 100% man, 100% God, it makes everything else in scripture begin to make sense and come together. Just understanding that truth, think about it. If the miracle of the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ is true, then it's not strange to see Jesus walking on the water, is it? It's not strange at all because he in fact is the one who created the water. <laughs> It should not be confusing to us to see him heal multitudes when he is the designer of our physical biology. It, it, that shouldn't seem strange at all. It should not seem odd to us to see Jesus feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes if he's the one who created those stomachs. It shouldn't seem odd to us at all. And adding to that, if, scripture, if what scripture says is true, then it's not even strange to see Jesus rise from the dead because he is God. He is God. The strange thing, and maybe the more difficult thing for us to understand in our humanity, 
is why Jesus would even die for us in the first place. If, if he is God, in fact, and he did all of these things, why then would he humble himself to come to this earth and die for us? But even that concern and that wondering is not even a mystery to us. In scripture, Matthew 20, verse 28, it says that the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And here's why he came, to give his life as a ransom for many to give his life a ransom for many. See, Jesus endured the difficulty of the diminishment of his glory so that he could fully experience the sufferings of humanity and so that he then could give up that human life for the sins of the world. And he did it so that there would be a sufficient sacrifice to bridge the gap between a holy God and a sinful mankind. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we needed someone to come in and to hedge the gap to bring us to God and it was Jesus Christ, and the answer was him coming to this earth. Yes, there were other ways that Jesus could have come to this world. I think maybe you've, maybe you've even thought about that. <laughs> there were other ways that he could have come. He could have come maybe without any human parents. I think if he did that, if he had come without any human parents and just sort of this be, being uh, just came from, from nowhere, I think we would probably have a hard time imagining or believing that he could identify with us at all. On the other hand, if he had come through two human parents, a biological mother and a biological father, then it would be hard to imagine that he would have been God because his origin would have been exactly the same as ours. Here's the great thing, though. God, in his perfect wisdom and in his creative sovereignty, ordained the virgin birth to be the avenue through which Jesus would come into the world, fulfilling both aspects of that, both human <laughs> and God at the same time. Man, God is so creative. God is so amazing that he comes up uh, with this amazing thing. And just knowing that aspect, understanding in your heart that he was 100% human, but he was also 100% God, can help breathe life and give power into the season that we are in. Because what we understand then is that we are not worshiping some unrelatable savior. We are worshiping the one who is both God and man. He was the one who David uh, said knows our ups and our downs and our thoughts and is acquainted, meaning he understands all aspects of our humanity. And then at the same time as God, both as a man, he understands us, but then as God, he actually has the power to open up heaven for us and provide a way that we could actually be among the holy, us who are the unholy and the rebellious. He opened up a way and made it possible for us to live in relationship with God, to give us that aspect and even that opportunity of eternal life in heaven. And listen, church, that is the power that we need to know and the power that we need to understand. It is the batteries <laughs> to the Christmas story. It is what brings it to life. It is what uh, makes it truly understandable. And it is what uh, we should be thankful for and is what we should be praising God for during this Christmas season. And so this week, as we celebrate the birth of the Savior, and I hope that you'll take some time for that, it's not just all about Santa Claus and presents and cookies and all that good stuff, which uh, those are all good things, okay? but it's about the birth of Jesus Christ. It's this moment that we set aside. And it's an, also an opportunity for us to share Christ with others as well. Just this week, I had an opportunity to talk to somebody about Christ just because it's the Christmas season. And for you, you may have that opportunity as well. But we need to step back and we need to remember the reason why we are celebrating. It's not just about all the uniqueness. And maybe last week you got some cool details about Christ coming to this earth, but it's about who it was who came, who Jesus is that powers our love for him, that powers our willingness to serve him and celebrate who he truly is 
this week. We need to glory in the uniqueness of our Savior. He was fully man, yet fully God, exactly what was necessary to secure our salvation. This morning, as we are going to take a a second here and have a time of reflection together, I wonder if maybe you're the kind of person that's maybe lost a little bit of the power behind the birth of Christ. You know, I, I recognize it's a unique year. It's a difficult time. And for many, myself included, there's been a struggle to sort of get the focus where it needs to be. We are very good at focusing on how things are not how we want them to be at this moment. But even in the middle of chaos, I mean, Jesus came to this earth in the middle of political chaos. Even in this moment where all around us, things are not as we would maybe want them to be, we can step back as Christians and be refreshed and renewed in the power of Christ coming to this earth. That's what motivates us in hard times. We can, understanding the fact that Jesus knows what it's like to grow up in a difficult environment can help us uh, understanding that he knows what we're going through and that, you know what, that Holy Spirit that you have as a Christian is enough for you in this season right now. Maybe it is that you're feeling alone and disconnected right now. Many of us are feeling that way, myself included. Church family, I miss you. I feel so disconnected from you. And many people are going through that right now. But you know what? We can still be connected to the Savior, even if we're not maybe connected with our family like we would like to during this time. But we can still be connected to the Savior. And God will give you that joy that you are desiring if you seek Him. But you must seek Him first. We hope that today's message was a help and encouragement to you in your walk with God. To stay connected with us, give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Vance City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will grow and bless you as you pursue His will for your life.